Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We're here for episode number 140. And while this week didn't have uh, a ton going on in terms of Devils uh, specific big moves, there were some tidy little house cleanings that happened from the front office, as well as a big move made in the NHL. So we're here to talk about that this week. As always, I'm joined by John Fisher. How are you today, John? I'm doing well. All right. Sounds good. And yeah, obviously the big talk of the uh, the league as a whole was the Friday night news dump that happened as usual, Friday post midnight news dump, Eastern time at least, where Matthew Kachuk was sent to, well, the Devils were a leader on the betting odds. Again, we know not to trust that. And if you did, nope. then I have no other, you know, I, I have no other solace for you other than you saw what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know why you bothered to get your hopes up, but he got sent to the Florida Panthers for a package that I don't think the Devils could have honestly matched. No. Uh, that package included Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger, who are both on their last year of their contract. So attractive pieces to get rid of for Florida. They get a good player in return, but Calgary doesn't have to reset the whole thing. They get a couple of players they can plug right in and still be a contending team. So um an interesting trade to say the least. It was very, uh, a lot of people were calling it at basketball style. You, you rarely see a trade of superstars like this. So um, yeah, it's a very interesting deal made. Kachuk signed a long contract in Florida as well. He is not going to be a devil. And honestly, for that price, like I'm fine with it. Yeah. Ultimately the devils didn't have a hundred point uh, winger potential MVP candidate in Huberdeau. They did not have a Mackenzie Weger who, well, actually they do. His name is Damon Severson, mm. but um, yeah, the Devils could not have matched the offer. And it depends on what version of the story that you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, according to insiders like Renan Lavoie and Elliot Friedman, who are pretty much the best of the best in this uh, business, said the Devils were interested. However, if you read The Athletic after the trade, that uh, Mr. Kachuk wasn't considering New Jersey at all for a potential contract extension. He wanted yeah. to either go to St. Louis or Dallas, but he was ultimately thrilled to go to Florida, who is... Uh, Continuing to make the big plays for a team that literally just had its best season ever. But mm. uh, if you're going to have to, if you knew that you weren't going to keep Huberdeau, which is a legitimate possibility, and Uyghur, if you weren't sure you're going to keep him, I guess Kachuk is a fine consolation prize. And kudos so. to Calgary for losing Goudreau and Kachuk, but finding two ways to, or two players at least they can spend all that money on now. Well, it's the best news possible for Andrew Mangiapane because mm-hmm. one of the big big concerns was that if 
if Calgary was going to re-sign Kachuk or they were going to keep Gaudreau, especially at the money they were offering Gaudreau, there would be no money for Mangiapane or Oliver Kylington. Now, both of those guys could be re-signed and, you know, Calgary can, uh, more importantly, Brad Treveling, excuse me, Brad Treliving mm-hmm. can live to see another day in Calgary because yeah. the situation that he was up against, you know, you know, normally if you don't keep Johnny Gaudreau and Matt Kachuk after the seasons that they had, you probably think something in the organization's got to change. Yeah. But uh, if they, if Treliving can keep Huberto and Uyghur, and supposedly both of these men are interested in staying in Calgary, mm-hmm. then right now, you know, they can, uh, you know, not only is Calgary set up for at least being a playoff team in the future, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Living will still have a job. Calgary still has to figure out who's going to play forward. They only have nine guys signed right now. <laughs> so, but I, I'm sure they'll move some defensemen around and, you know, make that work. I'm sure Connor Zari or Jacob Pelletier or uh, the also acquired Cole Schwint, the real linchpin of this deal. I'm kidding. He's not, but maybe he gets a shot at the NHL. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of, you know, teams that don't have forwards under contract, the Devils are still missing a pretty significant one in Jesper Bratt in terms of re-signing his contract for this year. But what they did do was sign a, a few little, uh, some restricted free agent contracts, some not, um, in terms of keeping some players around for a little while longer. And what I mean by that, Jesper Boquist got a one-year deal, a one-year two-way deal, kind of another um, prove-it scenario yep. where he should have a spot uh, to fight for in the lineup. He's just got to prove that he belongs. And towards the end of last year, he was definitely a lot more effective and a lot more confident than we had seen him in the past. So he'll get a chance to earn that spot again with another one-year trial. Now, uh, the other ones that weren't for one year, Vitek Vanacek got a, what, three-year extension? Yeah, he signed a three-year, $10.2 million contract. Very reasonable price. Very reasonable in a world where I know Ville Husso was a pending UFA, but you know he never actually hit market, so I don't think it's a fair comparison. Yeah. Um, or, or rather, I think it's a more fair comparison. He got four and three-quarters of a million. Mm-hmm. So Vanacek coming in at $3.4 million cap hit, he gets, um, he gets a million in signing bonus, so he just became a millionaire. Good for him. Uh, he'll get paid a base salary of 2.55 million for this coming season, 3.75 the following year, 2.9 the year after that. Uh, it'll take him to UFA status, obviously, but no trade clause, no other restrictions. Just here's 9.2 million dollars in salary. Be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hope and pray that Mackenzie Blackwood is good enough. Yep. And you know what, like people thought he might command more money just based on what the market said, but mm-hmm. for that term, for that price, it's, it's definitely worth a shot. And that's exactly why they acquired him. And another player that uh, earned a raise, but probably less than the, he got less than what people expected he would get considering how successful his season was, but this just happened today. The devils extended uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, who really emerged as one of the NHL's best defensive defensemen this year by all metrics. Oh, absolutely. All the analytics people, the eye test people, Ken Danico, you know, everybody will tell you that Jonas Siegenthaler is a solid, stable, defensive-minded defenseman. He is a one-way player, but he's very good at that one way. Mm-hmm. And um, he was up for a new contract after this coming season. So this is actually a 2023 signing taken care of here. And um, surprising to me is that he signed a very, very team-friendly contract. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's a total of five years at $17 million. So this buys into four years of UFA, 
uh, status of Sneak and Taller, takes him to 2028. The weirdest thing about it, and I'm legitimately surprised his agent accepted this, was Sneak and Taller is going to get the most money in the first year of the contract. Mind you, he's 25 years old right now, Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he's not like Palat where, you know, he's 31 and, you know, you know, he's on the down end of his career. You know, Siegenthaler has a lot of gas left in his uh, proverbial tank, but he's going to make the most money in his first year. And then every following year, he's going to make less and less money. He's, he's going to make $2.55 million, you know, when he turns 31. <laughs> yeah. you know in 2028 which is like not what you would normally see from a player in his mid-20s that's more like what you would see for a player in his 30s but correct you know very team friendly i believe the only restriction is that siegenthaler puts in a uh, 10 team no trade clause or a 10 team no trade list i should say after the second uh from the second season onward that's at puckpedia not yet up but cap friendly as we're recording but still You're talking about a player who's locked in for the next five seasons beyond the current contract, which ends this season. And it's only for $3.4 million to the cap hit where in a world where John Marino, who's very Mm -hmm. similar to Siegenthaler commanded an extra million in terms of cap hit. He's on a 4.4 cap hit. Not to mention we saw players like Eric Branson and Ben Sherratt and other limited questionably quality defensemen uh, get paid a hell of a lot more than Siegenthaler here. So uh, credit to Fitzgerald and the management team for getting Siegenthaler locked in and signing him to an incredibly friendly contract. Fantastic work by Fitzgerald. The defensive overhaul has been impressive. I mean, they, they went from, you know, Severson butchered Subban, uh, Mirko Mueller, like uh, that ilk to this front or this back six, which looks like it's rivaling some of the better groups in the league. Well, that's the, that's the bet that they're making. And it's a pretty good one to make. Um, if you look at, you know, if we were recording this, say three weeks ago, I would have told you the devils are in a position to really change the look of their blue line. Cause they only had Dougie Hamilton signed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, we saw Ty Smith turn into John Marino. Well, Marino signed until 2027. So he's locked in today's extension news for Sikantar locks him in until 2028, which is the last year of Dougie Hamilton's contract, by the way. Um, so ultimately the devil, and then of course, Brendan Smith, he's in a, he's got, he's signed for two years as well. So here's your depth backup guy. Simo Nemitz is on an ELC. Uh, we know Luke Hughes is probably going to come out of college after this year. Mm-hmm. So already we're, we could be talking in two years. The blue line is going to be some combination of Hamilton, Marino, Nemitz, Hughes, and player oh and Siegenthaler yeah so there's your six you know I mean (laughs) maybe maybe a free agent replaces Smith maybe it's a Utica Comet maybe it's another prospect we haven't heard of yet I don't know Graves if you want him well that's the that's the that's the bit that we're going to have to uh, think about as the season goes on is because both Graves and Severson are pending UFAs traditionally if you're not going to plan to keep them you move on from them. And it's a little tricky because both of those guys are 27 years old. It's not like they're pushing 30 and they're out of the quote unquote, the age window. Well, the um, devil's just drafted pretty much for their position entirely. Also. Exactly. Like you got to think long-term uh, Nemitz and Hughes are basically their replacements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you could even argue if Hughes and Nemitz hit their potential, they're Hamilton replacements. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, that's a decision you got to worry about three years from now, not now. Uh, but Hughes and Gray, I'm sorry, Severson and Graves are decisions that Fitzgerald and his team are going to have to uh, figure out as the season goes on. And um, 
you know, if there's a package available for a player, I know that the, both of those guys were names that, you know, fans were kind of wishing as part of a Kachuk deal that now we know wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the blue line looks like. Uh, my only hope is that uh, Fitzgerald doesn't get too cute here. He doesn't get too clever and like uh, re-sign Severson to a stupid contract or Graves to a stupid long contract. Um, if they're not going to play ball, move them. You know, they're not that critical to the organization given who else is locked up long-term for the next four seasons. Yeah, I worry that the next Severson contract might end up looking like Zajac's contract where it's like, you're a good soldier for the team. You, you do what we need you to do, but here's more money than we should be giving for this, you know, for what the organization looks like depth-wise at this point. And yeah. they might be stuck with it later. But again, the, the biggest deal right now, I would say, is just to get Brat signed long-term. I Like, yes, it, it is it is the most glaring a mission of this offseason so far, especially knowing that, yeah, Goudreau, you know, was close to the Devils by his own admission. Kachuk mm-hmm. never was, but no. Goudreau had other plans and where he wanted to go also. That's a free agency thing. And around that, Fitz has worked pretty well, but he needs to resign Jesper Bratt. Like, this is all, if they get to arbitration with him, and I think his date is August 3rd. He's the first arbitration date. No. Uh, it's He's not. Well, I mean, he's the first date for the Devils. But for the, the Devils, first, yeah. The first, the first arbitration date starts tomorrow as of this okay. recording. First, Isaac first Devil with arbitration. Because it's right. August 3rd, 7th, 11th, I think. Uh, close. It's a uh, third for Brat. Okay. Miles Wood is on the sixth. And remember, that's a team-elected arbitration. Yeah. that's So that means whatever the – if it gets there, then the, the Devils have to take whatever the arbitrator decides. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, you know, way around it. And then Tice Thompson, yeah. of all people – is up for arbitration on the 11th. Originally, Kachuk was going to be on the 11th as well. So it was, it, you know, the Devils were in this position where I think a lot of the league was also in a position where, you know, you're on your hands and, uh, you know, you're on your tippy toes, you're on your fingers, you're you're waiting on the phone, you're just tapping your fingers, you're getting anxious going, all right, are they going to move him now or are we going to wait until August 10th to make a move for Kachuk? Yeah. But uh, obviously Calgary uh, found a deal much faster than, I think anybody and honestly anticipated, but yeah, the, the goal right now is get this done by August 3rd. As of we're recording this today, that's next Wednesday. So it's soon. Like, oh, gotta God, make, I gotta hope make your moves so. Soon. I hope so. I mean, I hope it's just long-term. They don't have to worry about it anymore. They don't have to think about this again next year. It's, it's like the one, once we know that that's locked in place, we have a pretty good idea of what the team is probably going to look like after training camp too. So yeah, uh, it gets way more exciting to talk about and envision that stuff happening if you know he's here long term. But that it just has to happen. I, like I, I don't even know what's holding it up at this point because clearly he wants to be here by all accounts. They just signed his brother, which I don't think was any more than a symbolic move. Well, it's an AHL deal. I mean, sure, but know, like whatever. again, he, they didn't even have to invite him to be honest with you. Uh, no, but just do it. Just get it done. It's like. Well, unfortunately, What's missing? <laughs> well, unfortunately for, um, you know, Mr. Fitzgerald and his team here is that the longer this takes, and again, it's to Brat's advantage and his agent's advantage to let the, see what the other RFAs of the world are getting mm-hmm. because over, well, you know, in between all these other moves that we've discussed, Vanacek getting re-signed, Siegenthaler's extension today, Kachuk getting traded, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we got to see Patrick Lane, uh-huh. a 24-year-old winger who um, 
scores, but doesn't drive play the way Brad does. No, he doesn't drive play, but he he's also he does the one thing that's like most critical for a forward, which is yes, score goals. A lot. Uh, he he has he signed a four year thirty four point eight million dollar contract extension mm-hmm. uh, where you know he's getting two million in signing bonus every year he's getting at least 5.5 in base salary every year uh, it's such a big contract it ba- columbus had to sacrifice oliver bjorkstrand which i'm happy for yes finally um, yeah we don't have to worry about his 12 goals in 19 games uh you know. he will not be terrorizing the devils anymore but, at least not regularly well, well, I got some bad. Well, I'll, I'll give you some bad news a little later about that. Uh, but, but anyway, but yeah, Lane's contract is definitely something that I'm sure Brat's agent is aware of. I think the Josh Norris extension in Ottawa is another one where he signed a massive eight season, sixty three point six million dollar deal mm-hmm. for a guy who just literally finished his second season in Ottawa and put up fifty five points in sixty six games. Good season, big risk, but good season. I'm sure Brat is and his people are looking at that going, well, if he's getting that, yeah, you know, if you want eight years, pay up. And and this is where stuff like the Palat contract comes back to haunt you a little bit. It's where you start realizing that the you know, the devil's where they are, despite their lack of, you know, quality in the standings. They're not this rebuilding team where you can just throw money at people willingly. You have to be more judicious with your uh, mid-tier uh, players. And this is a big reason why we've been talking about, you know, the Palat contract being really pricey and being really long-term, not being a helpful thing. You got, while they extended Siegenthaler, you got to think next season, like, what is Sharon Govich going to cost you? What is Blackwood going to cost you? What yeah. is Bastion going to cost you? Because all the even the little signings, you got to redo Bokvist gig and him another deal potentially. Like all these little things start adding up and start eating into uh, the big contract. Because now you look at the Devils and they have, you know, now they have some players signed beyond 2024 in Siegenthaler, Marino, Hamilton, Palat, Heischer, Hughes. You know, if you're going to hand eight years to Jesper Bratt, which I think you probably should, um, that probably puts some, you know, that's probably there's your core. Like that has to be your core yeah. like, going forward. And I'm sure Brat and his people are looking at the rest of the league going, well, if you want me to be part of the core, you got to give me close to $8 million. I'm not taking six. I'm not taking uh, seven even. And now you have to start questioning, like, is this worth it? You know, because again, Jack Hughes is the highest paid. Well, I'm sorry. Hamilton's the highest paid player on the team. Hughes is uh, the highest among all the forwards. Do you risk having to pay Brett more than almost as much as Hamilton, more than Hughes, more than Heischer? I don't mm-hmm. know. And what does that do in the locker room? I don't know. But, uh, you know, as ever, as ever, it's never as simple as it looks on paper. They, they should have more than enough room with everything you said anyway to get Brett done at a price that feels reasonable for both sides. But, um, you know, like you said, the longer it goes, the more unsure it gets. So, yeah. We're hoping it's resolved soon. And honestly, the Tice Thompson one is something that I don't see them getting too worried about with the amount of forward depth that they have. But no, it's no, he, it's just another thing to worry about. In, in retrospect, Miles Wood is really this really the really tricky part here, because even if the team arbitration goes in the devil's favor, uh, there's a part of the CBA that limits uh, the arbitrate, like a, there's a minimum on it. It's like 85% of your base salary. 
Uh, so Miles Wood's base salary last season, Dan, even though he played like two games, uh, he got 3.5 million. Mm-hmm. So 85% of that just takes you just under 3 million. And all the, and yes, you could put Jonathan Bernier on LTIR. I think that's going to be the plan since he's not even remotely close to skating. Uh, you know, that's an extra 4 million to play with, but that, now you're starting to realize the Miles Wood contracts and the Thomas Tatars, the Andreas Johnsons. Yes, they're expiring they're they're kind of problematic at this point Mm -hmm. well so those players still might be moved at some point i just uh i don't know what the you know urgency is for that given that they need to get brad his money somehow but they should have enough even with those guys on the books for now but um maybe they move them out this year maybe they move them at the deadline maybe they just don't bother re-signing them next year It's, it's it's all possible um, to get that money back. And again, there's a lot of forwards pushing for the roster. So you don't really need those kinds of guys that we thought they'd produce a lot more and they're just not. So there you yes. go. Right. Well, it's not the only change involving the devil's organization that has gotten people talking. Dan, mm-hmm. there was another change off the ice. Would uh, you care to tell the people? <laughs> the devils will not be retaining their PA announcer. I think his name was Joe Tolentino. He won the contest for the announcer at The Rock. Um, <laughs> they're not going to retain him, and I, I don't know how much of that is his fault, but he was asked to do – he was put in a very difficult position to do this kind of thing as the winner of a fan contest in which not every fan voted. So obviously yeah. when the voice change was very jarring, uh, you, you can tell that he was a novice at this. And again – not his fault. He was put in an unenviable position, but the team has committed to not searching for the next PA announcer via an online contest, which I think is a good idea. Yeah, it's one of those things that in theory sounds like a good idea. You know, hey, let's crowdsource a PA announcer, you know, yeah. but, you know, I, I've been going, to, I don't go to as many games as I used to, Dan, because, you know, life and, yeah. and things get in the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've got, I go to plenty of games, Dan. And I meet people, I meet people who go to every game. I meet people to go to like, who only go to like one or two games a year. People who come in from the great, you know, outside the New Jersey area to come to games. And virtually all of them had the same reaction of who in the world is this PA announcer? And why does he sound like a ghost? Yeah, You know, he's, it's like almost, he's doing an impersonation of a PA announcer. So, yeah, I think he was trying to match the Kevin Clarkness of it all, but it just didn't really suit his voice. And, it it didn't based on what was happening you kind of changed the announcing mood and that didn't really happen at all so um exactly i don't know it's again it's someone who is plucked from fanhood into the crowd to do a job to thousands of people every night that expect a certain you know a certain tone of voice a certain experience and uh he got a lot of flack for it. So I'm, you know, happy that yeah. he got the opportunity to do that, but I'm also happy that they're moving forward with a different person eventually because uh, they need some professionalism in there. Yeah. And that's also, and I'm glad you said the P word there, Dad, because that's ultimately what the real root of the issue here. Yes. Joe wasn't particularly good at the job per se, but that's not his fault. That's the team's fault for not going out and doing what they should have done in the first place, which is, get a professional or get somebody with some professional experience for the position. And apparently they've made it very clear that they are going to go that route. They're going to hire a professional uh, to do so. Uh, They're also, uh, the devils are waiting, still waiting from MSG to make some decisions with their play-by-play guy. 
that is still also up in the air. They're down to five or six, and apparently they want to announce it by uh, the first week of August. Yeah, because it because as much as you know, um, the broadcasting job, you know, you would think, oh, it's only for games. No, there's a lot of prep work that's involved. And I think for some, some teams do it differently. I know with the devils historically uh, MSG is the one that decides who the, who the people are, but they go to the devils and say, look, can we get your blessing? Can we get an okay from you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, the devils hire the radio people. So though, you know, Matt Laughlin and Chico Resch, they're devils employees. Uh, MSG is not beheld necessarily to the devils, but they're also a sports broadcaster. They're not, you know, CNN, they're not Fox, they're not MSNBC. They're not there to have people speak truth to power. They just want to play by play announcer that the devils are like, yeah, you can hang out in the locker room. We're not going to hate you. Uh, (laughs) So uh, they're in the process of doing that still. And um, hopefully we'll get some movement on that. There is still one larger vacancy that remains open that I think is um, very important. An assistant coach. Yes. Thank you. Uh, that's that's kind of glaring. Associate coach. Well, they well, they they backfilled Recky's role, so he sorted out, right? Yes, yes. So, so uh, one name that I heard actually, did you see this tweet by Ryan Novozinski just now? Uh, no, I have not. Tell us about this hot breaking tweet, Dan. He actually asked someone in the organization what their interest would be in coaching, um, you know, at the highest level. Uh, Sergey Breland got asked if you'd be interested in moving up to the big club. And he said he likes helping the younger kids, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to get a shot with the big club. So maybe it's his time to shine. Maybe it's someone that they bring up someone who's well-beloved in the organization. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll be a good coach, but he's been coaching a lot longer than the other guys they've tried to oh, yeah. in this position too. Yeah. It's an open, you can almost ask the question, how come he wasn't called up earlier back when they were hiring Mike Greer or Dave Taylor or, you know, any of these other guys that they brought in yeah um, okay really Greer thing works to out get well jobbed. <laughs> but but again you don't know what the tenor you don't know what breland's situation is for all yeah. we know breland may be um a classic case of the peter principle where you know you get promoted to your level of competency or alternatively he may say i'm happy where i am i don't really want to move up for one reason or another. Well, he just said the opposite of that. Well, I know he just said the opposite <laughs> yeah. of that, but I'm saying in years past, he may have yeah. said, no, I don't want to. Yeah, now he could have he not been ready. Feel- it could be yeah. a time or- where he feels the team is in a groundswell of guys that he has coached over in the minor league system too. So the familiarity, I'm sure makes him feel a lot better too. Oh, absolutely. And it's also, you know, his own experience with the position. Uh, maybe, I don't know what his family situation is. Um, Cause I know for some people, you know, if the kids are a little older, you may feel more okay with moving about because mm-hmm. uh, the NHL job, you know, yeah, granted he was with Utica. So lots of bus rides all over Northeastern uh, America. Yeah. But, you know, with the NHL, it's cross country, right. you know, by, by culture, by country, by cultural, by country with yeah. Canada, America. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see if he gets at least an interview, at least I think the devil's owe him that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if it goes anywhere. All I hope is that the next uh, assistant is not going to be overload happy like Nazardine was, uh, you know, because I think that was a big, big, big fault with the defense last season. Um, I think there was one quote where somebody pointed out, like, the Devils run this unorthodox defensive system, which begs the question, well, if your goalies are getting lit up and half your defense looks like they're completely out of place, maybe you should run something more orthodox. Yeah. But, you know, 
what can you do? You can't unspill the milk, as they say. No, no. And again, I don't know their urgency on filling that position, at least before the season, especially if they do it internally with someone who's familiar with the team. I, I, I mean, they have to get it done before training camp so that, oh, that person can start with the um, with camp and with getting their systems in place before the preseason and all that happens. But Again, we might have this feels like more of an internal promotion that's coming rather than an outside hire just because it's taking this long. But who knows? There might be someone in the works as is. But uh, again, I operate under the principle of it can't possibly get much worse. So hopefully things (laughs) will be better. Uh, That's all I got for this episode. I mean, we talked about the transactions. What do you have? I've got I've got a little bit more than that, Dan. Or what you got? Uh, Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, we got the World Junior Championships coming up in a couple weeks. Um, In addition to Holtz not representing Sweden, because he wants to try to make New Jersey. Uh, uh, Evidently, Simeon Nemitz is also not playing for Slovakia, which is a little bit surprising. Where is uh, Juraj? That's a good question. No, no, he's not. I know he's not. Well, maybe Montreal told him, don't bother, you're playing in Quebec. So it's interesting that the... the players you'd want to see the most are all basically saying, you know what, we're just going to try for the NHL teams. Yeah. And that's really the more enticing thing. I mean, there's still going to be a a heap of talent to watch at the world junior championships, especially if you want to start getting prepared for the 2023 draft. Uh, There is actually another top Slovakian guy, uh, Dalibor Dalinsky, that I would highly recommend you all check out. Uh, it's not just going to be the Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli show uh, for and, Canada. Oh, I want to speak of World Juniors for Canada as well. Uh, that investigation into the 2018 incident for the World Junior team continues. And still, I bring this up on the Devils podcast because Michael McLeod is one of the players in question and one of the only players that has not released any sort of statement denying culpability for what happened that night in uh, Ontario. So... I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, with with topics as serious as that, uh, I'm always of the opinion of speculation is not worth it. No, it just doesn't no. look great that he's one of the only no, it, players that said nothing so far. No, but at the same time, my cynicism tells me that just because somebody put out a statement doesn't mean they're telling the truth. Oh, well, sure. I mean, we're talking about a situation from several years ago. You know, memory. You know, memories can be faulty. Um, I think for all involved, the investigation is hopefully reopened and done as detailed as possible. And whatever the results are, are the results. Yeah. Uh, the truth is more important than whatever uh, situation is worth uh, rooting for, which is the, the, the other reason why I'm not, I always take this type of stuff more seriously. I don't want to be in a position where I'm cheering for or against an outcome because it involves a devil or oh, well, no, no, or it's just a matter of the truth well, needs to come out. The, this devil is involved one way or another. Unfortunately, that is, that is the situation. It would be nice if a statement came out, but mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, if you're in this position, you need to do whatever your lawyer tells you. Yeah. And um, you know, public image is not your biggest concern. It's going to be the law. Mm-hmm. That is your biggest concern because the result of this could not could be more than just you know losing a contract it's jail which is would be the appropriate place mm-hmm. um in any case uh changing topics to something a little less um substantial uh or in terms of heaviness less yep. heavy um let's see here ah okay let's see so nevitz is not going to the world junior championships um 
However, Nemitz should, Dan, be highly rated for something that we're going to do on the site next week. Oh, it's our top annual, 25? Yes, we're going to have oh. our, uh, as you're a member of the staff, you'll get, uh, you'll get our ballot next week. Yeah. And the people who matter, all of you, will get an access to our community survey where you can rank all the under 25 players in the organization. We just tell you, here's a list of players in the organization who are signed to NHL contracts or were drafted by New Jersey. Uh, rank them. We don't tell you how to rank them. That's up to you. And uh, we put put that together and we'll be releasing the results of throughout August going into September, just before preseason uh, begins. I believe that's uh, how Brian and I have scheduled it out. So Brian's working on the under 25 list now because this may surprise you, Dad. There have been some changes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, some guys like Segan Taller, for example, he ages out of the list because he's now 25. Mm. Uh, guys like Ty Smith, well, they're now Pittsburgh Penguins, so they're, yeah. they're not there. Uh, I will emphasize that this list will not include Philip Rott or Xavier Perrant as they've been signed to AHL contracts. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's fair for this list to make you guess on what an AHL contracted player is going to do, especially if they're more likely to hang out in Adirondack. Uh, No disrespect to all the Thunder fans out there, but you're you're, you're three levels deep, guys, or two levels deeper. uh, So I don't think that's fair. But it should be a fairly substantial list. Uh, obviously, Nemitz should be ranked highly. Luke Hughes will probably be ranked highly, uh, which brings me to the other point is that um, Mr. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic put out his top 50 prospects ahead Ooh. of the season. And yeah, the Devils uh, have three in the top 10. So Sorry, three 20. in the top 20. Yeah. Yes. Well, they have two in the top five. Uh, Mr. Wheeler is a massive fan of Luke Hughes and honestly almost thought about putting him number one. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is before the news came out that Luke Hughes apparently gained 10 pounds over the off season. He's doing push-ups. It's apparently. the classic. You this know, person. I'm the greatest shape of my life. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, bro, you're, you're 20. Uh, I would, I would, I would hope, hope so. you're in the greatest shape of your life. Yeah. Yeah, you, you weren't you weren't slinging beers and uh, burgers all summer like Phil Esposito used to do back in the you day. You haven't played a single uh, NHL game. I would hope you're in the best shape of your life right, right now, uh, getting ready to play them. Right, but Hughes comes in at number two. Wheeler, uh, I'm sorry, Nemitz came in at number five. Wheeler was a big Nemitz fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he honestly thinks he's going to be the best Slovak defenseman since then, Nochara, which is very high praise in of itself. He also had a lot of high praise for Alexander Holtz, who put him down at 17, which is still very good. I mean, if you look at the list uh, of players at the athletic uh, among these prospects, this is like the cream of the crop here. There's no, yeah. I mean, regrettably, there's no Chase Stillman's or Shakir Muhammadulins uh, on this list. And obviously a guy like Dawson Mercer, he's an NHLer in Wheeler's eyes, which is correct because he is an NHL player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not really a prospect anymore, but yeah, there, you know, the top 25 under 25 voting is going to happen very soon. Uh, it's a good way to kill some time during the summer at a minimum, gets an idea of how the organization is looking in the system in terms of its uh, development, in terms of, you know, players on the come up, players to highlight. Maybe there's a couple gems that some of you, you know, didn't realize until you sit down and look at the numbers and go, oh, this guy had a really good season. Um, I, you know, it's a fun activity to do in the offseason, and we'll be doing that very, very soon. And again, I anticipate that Hughes and Nemitz and Wheat and uh, Holtz will do fairly well on the list, if only because guys like Wheeler and Pronman and others are appropriately bigging them up, pumping their tires, um, inflating their um, worth, so to speak. And this is, again, like you can have as good prospects as you want. 
But uh, if they don't manifest in the NHL, it kind of means nothing. So I'm glad that the Devils are appearing on more positive ends of these lists as, as is expected. Like you would prefer that, obviously, as opposed to, you know, not being, you know, having the system that they need to be this weird stage of rebuilding and not rebuilding. I don't know. It's kind of yeah, weird but- to know that their team is mostly young guys, but there's so many prospects here that they could be considered rebuilding or at least built. I, I don't really well, know how else to say it. Well, that's the thing, Dan. And this is something I do want to emphasize, I guess, and I'll make this like the final point of the podcast here. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is that the devils, the thing about getting all these young players is that they eventually get older. I know that's a Yogi Berra like statement, but bear with me, everybody, for a moment here. We're at a point where Sharagovich is now 24. McLeod is 24. Nathan Bashan is 24. Mm-hmm. Brat himself is, is 23 right now. He sure is 23. Like these are no longer, you know, quote unquote, young guys. Uh, you know, trying to find their way in the NHL. These guys are, for all intents and purposes, NHL veterans. Uh, so, you know, there's a larger question. This is part of the reason why I've been praising Fitzgerald for quite a bit of what he's done so far in this offseason. But I'm still very down on him and the rest of the management team is that, hey, other organizations would have had this level of, you know, youth come in, younger players come in, contribute the way they contribute and be way more successful than they have been so far. Yeah. And, and the harsh reality is that, you know, you look at different aging curves, there's different philosophies about that, but a lot of times the players best years of their careers are in their early to mid twenties. So, you know, it, it, you know, now, or rather the last two seasons were really the times to strike with Heischer, Brat, Blackwood, uh, you know, all these other guys, I understand injuries come up, COVID came up, performances come up. I get that. But that's part of the job of being a general manager is to try to make the most of what you have. And, you know, if you ultimately don't win some games, because ultimately this is all meant to be putting together a team that could win some games, yeah. uh, then, then something went awry here. And, and the larger point is, I think, if there's a concern, it's going to be less about who the Devils have been picking or acquiring and more about how they've been developing. Because yeah. for every success like a brat and um, – and a Heisher and a Hughes, those are the guys. Okay, Bratt's more of a was more of a surprise than anything else. But you expect Heisher and Hughes to perform. But if you look at you know they couldn't figure things out with Ty Smith. They couldn't uh, uh, help you know uh, in out, so they bought him out. Uh, they clearly don't like the defense down in Utica, so they went out and got some defensemen and, and locked up Siegenthaler for a while. So, you know, uh, sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ball and Mr. Coat, your, your, your chances of making the team have gotten smaller today, yeah. but, um, oh well, you know, but, but you gotta, you gotta be able to develop the players in addition to just picking the right guys and having the right systems at the NHL level. There's gotta be that middle point here. And I think that's going to really make or break whether or not the Devils get something out of this uh, youth movement, or we're going to be talking about rebuild 3.0 in a, in a season or two with a mm-hmm. different GM. I know that's harsh, but at, as you said, Dan, the Devils are at this point where you can't say they're rebuilding. So what do what have they built? If they were missing just a goalie to get into the playoffs last year, then Listen, there's no way the goaltending play can be that bad. I know the personnel isn't that different, but the play itself cannot be as bad. Like last year was a freak year in terms in terms of just how bad the goaltending was. If it's not going to be that way again, the roster improved. There is no more excuses. You got to get there. You just exactly. have to get there. Exactly. And that's why I say that even though I really, really like 
the Siegenthaler extension. I like the acquisition for John Marino. I like the Vanacek extension. Okay, I don't like Palat's contract structure and the no trade clauses, but I don't like I don't mind Palat being a player. Like I like a lot of what Fitzgerald has done, but you yeah. got to get the W's, man. You got to yeah. get the points. You can't miss the playoffs by thirty-seven points and expect to have a job anymore. You just yeah. can't. You can't keep building up the team and just not. You got to close the deal. You got to make the playoffs. It's been, again, once in a decade for a franchise that was pretty used to just making it every single year. So, yeah. again, the rebuild continues and uh, becomes a manifestation of rebuild at some point soon here. So uh, okay. we'll kind of address that, you know, moving forward once the Brat contract is sorted out. I feel like by the next episode, at the very least, they'll have to sort something out. So, um, you know, we'll come to you with that once we know what the extension looks like if it's only a year hopefully it's more than that but um they have before august 3rd so hopefully they figure that out well before then we have something to talk to you about uh next week for now that's all we have for this episode thank you again for joining us and we'll catch you next time on the garden state of hockey where hopefully jesper bratt is going to be a new jersey devil for a long long time for a long time thanks again and let's go devils talk to you soon go devils